Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Healthy Living Live. I'm Chef AJ, and my guest today is John Tanner. John has a remarkable story of actually coming back from the dead, which he's going to tell you all about. So thank you so much for being here, John. Well, thanks for having me. This is my awesome. pleasure. I've known you for years. I don't know why it's taken me so long to interview you, but you actually died, right? If you call a uh, heart stopping uh, death, yes, my heart was stopped. Well, great. Well, why don't you tell our viewers all about it? So a little over eight years ago, almost nine now, I was 52 years old. I thought I was healthy. And then, um, in, in fact, I was running a mile every day. Um, doesn't sound like somebody who's about to die. But uh, one morning uh, in the middle of my uh, one mile run, I was, I was running normally. I staggered a couple of steps and then hit the ground unconscious with my heart stopped. That's how much warning you have of heart disease because it's a disease of the inside of the arteries. You can't see it from the outside. There's no nerve endings in your arteries, so you can't feel it, but you can be very close to death and, and it happens, can happen suddenly. The, the doctors who study this say that often the first medical presentation of the existence of heart disease is death. And, uh, and that was me going from what I thought was healthy to on the ground with my heart stopped in just a matter of seconds. Uh, the survival rate for this sort of thing, if you're not in the hospital when your heart stops, your chances of surviving are only about 3%. So I was wow. incredibly lucky to be here. Uh, of course, uh, the, the rest of the story is what I learned afterwards. If, if I can share a little bit of that, I would love to. Please. So, um, uh, after I recovered, and uh, fortunate to, to be in the, the 3% category there, um, I, I started asking, you know, why did this happen to me? And, and how do I keep it from happening again? My doctors weren't particularly helpful. Uh, I'm sure you've run into a lot of doctors yourself. They, they don't uh, have a lot of knowledge in, in some of these really important areas. And, uh, you know, some doctor said something like, well, it's kind of inevitable. It's a leading killer. A lot, you know, tons of people have this disease, but uh, they weren't really helpful on how to avoid it until I ran into uh, uh, some research by Caldwell Esselstyn, the, the uh, book that I, he had written um, that I read at that time was called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, which shares very clearly what the cause of heart disease is, and it's what you eat. And his uh, groundbreaking research, which showed that 99.5% of heart disease goes away if you just eat the right things. This is awesome. You know, the, the doctor should be telling us, you know, we can give you some pills or we can do some surgery, which really don't do much good, or you can change your diet and totally get rid of this disease. So I started as I learned this stuff, uh, I was very surprised, shared it with my family, my friends, my coworkers, and pretty soon uh, that turned into giving uh, workshops. And instead of telling people one at a time, I could, could share in groups. So uh, we formalized that into a nonprofit organization called NUSCI, which is short for Nutrition Science Foundation. And our website is newsci.org, N-U-S-C-I.org. And I've uh, put up on the website uh, a number of things that I've learned um, 
about the relationship between what we eat and death and disease. Uh, one of the things we also do uh, under this um, uh, nonprofit organization is uh, once or twice a month here at my office in Monrovia, California, that's uh, just a few miles uh, east of Pasadena. We, we do um, the three-hour evening workshops where I share my story, what I've learned about the relationship between uh, what we eat and uh, disease and death. And then uh, we feed people a healthy uh, dinner so that they can learn, learn that uh, really healthy food can taste good too. And uh, you know some of the the tricks we learned there we learned from you, AJ. Is oh, thank you. <laughs> back back, I I knew Chef AJ before she was really really famous, and, <laughs> and, and we could actually uh, afford to have you over at our company where um, uh, Chef AJ gave our our staff some cooking lessons. So we we really appreciate that. Um, but uh, I do uh, provide the food to, to people that can come to these, uh, these workshops. So any of your listeners in the, in the area, if you go to the website, look along the right-hand column for the, the next uh, workshop that's coming. And uh, there's also some RSVP instructions. We do ask you to register so that we uh, uh, make sure that we have enough food for everybody that shows up. But it's, uh, as you have seen in, in your your life and your activities that when when people learn this stuff and they change their way of eating, they just get healthier in so many ways. And it's it's great to see that, isn't it? Absolutely. So what what was it like to die though? Is it what you hear about on TV? Did <laughs> angels come? Was there a big white light? Did you see your great grandparents? I'm really curious what it was like in that moment. Well people ask me, you know, yeah, was it a light at the end of the tunnel? I have to admit, I have no idea. Uh, the lack of oxygen to the brain. I don't remember anything of the event. In fact, I don't remember anything of that day. Um, I was uh, in the hospital for a couple of days before I could start really remembering very well. I would uh, be lying there in, in the hospital and I'd wake up and I'd see my wife and I'd say, honey, where am I? What happened? And she'd say, oh, you had a heart attack. You're in the hospital. And I'd go, oh, okay. And I'd drift off. And a couple of minutes later, I'd wake up again and I'd say, where am I? What happened? You know, I had no short term memory and they just really weren't sure for a while that I was going to come back. Wow, but that's but incredible. Uh, after a couple of days, I could start remembering things. And and they actually checked me out of the hospital after only five days. They uh, said, don't go back to work just yet. But uh, another week off from work, I was back to work. So, you know, dead on the street to back to work in two weeks. But they said, don't go back to running just yet. Uh, we need to do some other tests because it turns out that that 3% who survive cardiac arrest, most of them have residual brain damage or heart muscle damage or both. Um, I seem to be lucky on the, the brain damage part. Although uh, when I forget my anniversary, I say, honey, it was the heart attack, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great excuse. Uh, but they did a perfusion test to see if my heart muscle was damaged. And fortunately it wasn't. And that's when the doctor said, you know, you can go back to your life the way it was. And that's when I thought to myself, I don't want to go back to my life the way it was. There were, there were a lot of awesome things about my life, but uh, having a heart attack was not something I wanted to go back to. So 
Wow. Did, did you know you were having a heart attack? And how were you even to get able to get help if you were out running? Uh, I was running through the neighborhood about six blocks from where I live. And I was just lucky that somebody who was visiting uh, one of my distant neighbors uh, for, um, happened to see me go down. Uh, and she called to her husband who rushed out and immediately started giving me chest compressions. This uh, makes me uh, uh, tear up just thinking about, you know, these complete strangers had this guy collapse right, right in front of them. And they came out and, and helped me. The, the uh, owner of the house uh, called 911. The firemen were there in uh, about four minutes, which is awesome. They were <laughs> running lots of red lights with the sirens going, I'm sure, to get there that fast. All of this is hearsay. I don't remember any of it. But uh, they, uh, when they arrived, they said, you know, a lot of the people who have cardiac arrest, they uh, they keel over in their bathrooms, upstairs, they're wedged behind the door. You know, it's very difficult for the emergency responders to get to them. Uh, and here I was laid out on the grass right by the curb, very convenient for them to, <laughs> to come along. That's so nice of you. <laughs> yeah, I try to help. Uh, they, uh, the um, firemen, when they arrived, they had a automatic electronic defibrillator or external defibrillator. So they, it has these sticky pads, which they attach to my chest and the machine determines whether to shock or not. If it detects a normal heartbeat, it doesn't shock because you don't need it. If it detects no activity, it doesn't shock because you're dead. But if your heart is quivering, fibrillating, then a uh, shock might help. And so it, this machine determined that I could use some help right then and gave me a shock. And they, uh, they felt my, for a pulse after that and found that I had a weak heartbeat uh, I, or I, I wouldn't be here now. But of course, the, the problem that created the heart attack in the first place was still there. So they uh, right. carted me off to the hospital. The emergency room doctor spent less than a minute uh, analyzing me. Um, the, in the field, they could actually tell not only was it, did I have a heart attack, but they could tell which artery was involved based on the waveform of the heartbeat. So they, uh, they knew that my left anterior descending was the problem. And uh, so they were able to get uh, an interventional cardiologist to the hospital that morning about the same time I arrived uh, because uh, th there was nobody there. It was Sunday morning, but they, they were on call. And because of the diagnosis in the field of what, exactly what the problem was, they could get the specialist there. So the, I spent a minute in the ER and then up to the cardiac catheter lab where they uh, um, put a, a catheter in my uh, heart blood vessel through my leg. And then uh, eventually when they saw the, the clog, they put a stent in. So a metal mesh tube that they uh, slide into place and expand it. Um, a few weeks later, when I saw the video clip of that operation, I thought, wow, this technology saved me. And then months after that, I ran into some studies that show that stents don't really improve longevity more than maybe a couple percent at best. It's uh, really astonishing how, how uh, little these things help. The same is true of bypass surgeries 
they don't really extend life very much because they're not addressing the root problem. The root problem is what you did to yourself because of what you ate. And Absolutely. I, I, are you still, are you still friends with the guy that did you, the chest compressions? You you still um, friends with him? We keep in touch. Uh, the the lady and the guy um, were actually visiting their daughter, who is my distant neighbor, and so um, um, I keep in touch with them. We've seen them a few times since then. They they uh, used to live in New Hampshire. They retired and moved to Florida. So we're uh, we uh, do Christmas cards and things like that. But they're uh, very, very special people to be. My my I friend bet. said, wow. my friend said, uh, now now that you're running again, I bet you never run back back by that place because that would be like really you know bad memories or something. And I say, oh, well, I'm going to run by there every time because I know if I have a heart attack there, <laughs> <laughs> they'll save me. You know somebody's going to call nine one one. So what's interesting is you weren't that old. You were just a little bit over fifty. You didn't smoke. You were not overweight. And uh, nobody told you that this something like this could happen. No, uh, there was one warning that the doctors could have picked up on, which was for a while my cholesterol was in the 230, 240 range. And uh, from what I understand from Dr. Esselstyn, who wrote Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, the healthy level for total cholesterol should be below 150. And some of the doctors nowadays know this, but some think, 200 is okay and apparently my own doctor didn't say anything to me about 230 240. the situation was i'd go for my annual physical the doctor would order the blood test i'd go to have the blood drawn the blood test results would come back a few days later via email and there would be these numbers in there that i didn't really understand or pay much attention to and the doctor never seemed like he needed to contact me about those numbers. I'm sure there are lots of people who have much higher numbers than 238, but uh, as as you know, uh, it should be below 150. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you remember what the first meal that you can remember in the hospital? Because everybody I know that's had a heart attack said that the first meal they were served was the exact kind of food that gives people heart disease. <laughs> I, I really don't remember that first meal, but... Um, I'll, I'll share something else with you. The, the, the stent uh, that they put in me uh, failed. And oh. uh, they don't often tell you that. And of course, it wouldn't have mattered for me because I was unconscious when they made the decision to put the stent in. But somewhere between 20 to 40% of the stents fail. And they fail by, because they do damage to the inside of the artery and the artery forms scar tissue. And for a while, that's good because the scar tissue uh, grows through the metal mesh and eventually the blood flowing through the middle of the blood vessel doesn't touch the metal anymore because of the scar tissue and that's good. But uh, in a number of uh, 20, 40 percent of the cases, the scarring continues to the point where the blood vessel closes off again. Now this is a completely different reason than the first time. The first time was because I was eating the wrong things. But the second time uh, I had a problem was because of what the doctors did the first time, that is inserting the stent in the first place. So the, the, um, the first time in the hospital, I was kind of out of it for a few days, don't remember too much, but the second time I was fully conscious uh, when they were, uh, they put another stent inside the first stent and a couple of other stents after that. By then I had been on a healthy diet for a couple of months and I, I knew what I should be eating, what I shouldn't be eating. And I remember asking the, the hospital for a vegan meal. 
and they brought me cottage cheese once and yogurt another time. <laughs> you know, they, they just, uh, even when you ask, they don't necessarily know what healthy is. That's, that's the sad part. Absolutely. So what was the time frame between the heart attack and I, didn't you actually contact Dr. Esselstyn personally? I did. Um, when I was about to have the second stint, I, I was wondering, you know, I'd been on Esselstyn's diet for a couple of months and the failure rate for a bare metal stent, which is what I got the first time, is about three months. And I was right on schedule. So, but I'd, I'd been on his diet for a couple of months and I called him up and I was, it was very surprising to me that I was able to get on the phone, this uh, luminary, this really famous, important guy, but he took my phone call and he explained to me that uh, what I was experiencing there was, uh, you know, not the original problem. I'd fixed that. And that he, he told me, in fact, when, when you do have the scarring because of the first stent, there isn't a whole lot to do except have another stent. They had experimented with um, putting a little radioactive seed uh, on the end of a catheter and putting it up into that area to kill the, the scarring. But they found that the people they did that to died more often than, than without it. So they don't do that anymore. And I really didn't have any op uh, options at that point except to uh, have another stint and hope that that one didn't fail like the, the one before. Wow. So the, the sad part was they put in two more at the same time. Uh, and I was not in a good position to advocate for myself. I really feel that these two extra stints were unnecessary and, and uh, risky, but that was now seven or more years ago. So I'm past, way past the danger zone. Wow. So, so do you still have these three stents in your heart? Total of four, one the first time and then three the second time. One but they're not causing any problems? They don't seem to be causing any problems. I, I started running uh, two miles a day. Um, at some point, one of my doctors said, you know, this seven minute mile that you were, have had been running, you know, that's not long enough elevated heart rate. So you really should uh, extend that. So I started running two miles and then uh, did that for a number of years. And, and my daughter uh, got into 5k running. So I said, well, 5k is only a little over three miles. I wonder if I can do that. So for the last several years, I've been running uh, 5k almost every morning. That's so, incredible. So who, 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 whose lives have you touched by your transformation? Um, well, there's uh, some some very interesting ones. Uh, you know, the the ones that drive me are the sad ones, the ones that uh, I wasn't able to reach. And some people think that I'm maybe kind of a jerk because I'm in their face about you know they really need to make this change. And and you know when I back off and and someone dies because they didn't eat the way they should be, um, you know, it encourages me to maybe be a little bit more in people's face. Um, do you want to hear the only the successes or do you want to hear a failure? No, no, I, I just, I'm just curious, like, you know, because you, you're a doctor, but not a medical doctor. And you have done so much for so many people going to these conferences and giving free books and speaking and everybody that comes into your business can get a book. And so you might have touched people that you haven't even known, you know, I mean, you're just like a regular person. And um, I mean, 
and you're doing such extraordinary things. That's why I wanted people to know about you. But you can either one, either either a success or or a sad story. But but just just from being a regular person with a regular job, not a medical doctor, you're making such a difference in your community with through two, the two other programs that we're going to be talking about soon, your food delivery service and Tanner Care. But just even before those two things came to fruition, who were you able to influence and touch and inspire, like your family, your friends, the guy that saved your life? Um, it's hard to, hard to keep track of everyone. We do have some success stories on our website, uh, newsci.org. So you can, um, people can go there. Uh, some of them, including uh, neighbor, another neighbor just down the street uh, that I was able to uh, influence to eat more healthy. Uh, he, he credits uh, a lot of his health benefits now. Um, a, a lady, um, uh, that had a number of health problems, including uh, some that I, I never heard of before. And, uh, you know, and then they, they adopt this uh, plant-based diet and these problems go away. So we started with, um, again, close-in family, friends, as we've done these workshops and talks. Um, each time we give out a book, uh, we try to get people's email. We have something like 4,500 email addresses now. So we, you know, I think in some minor way, we've hopefully reached, you know, four or 5,000 people. How many of them have really, you know, jumped on it and, and made a result that uh, worthy result in their life? It's hard to say, but we hear uh, now and again. Um, so we, we started NewSci to, to promote these activities. Uh, I'd hope that we'd be able to scale up those activities through donations. Uh, turns out we, we have a small number of dedicated donors, which we really appreciate, but it uh, um, hasn't uh, grown to the point where that can become my main focus. So uh, we, we started thinking about other things we could do. Uh, one of the uh, uh, things I found all the time is when I would explain to people, here's how you should eat. You know, you should eat whole plants, low fat. Uh, no meat or dairy, you know, you know, you know the, the drill and probably your, most of your listeners do as well. But I would explain, you know, what the guidelines are for really healthy eating. And people would say, well, yeah, but how do I get that kind of food? You know, when I go to a restaurant, it's very difficult. Uh, the things I'm used to cooking at home are, are like that. You know, what can I do? And, and they'd say, well, and what do you do? And I said, well, uh, you know, I cooked for a year myself, uh, cooking for my wife and my kids. And, uh, and then eventually I, I realized I needed to do other things. And so I hired a chef and to cook not only for my family, but my coworkers. And that was what I ate. And people would say, well, if, if that's what you're, how you get your food, can we get food from there too? And at first I said, no, because my, my company is a, uh, software and electronics and robotics company and we're not a food company but my chef uh, was persistent and eventually i relented and said okay let's uh, start this business unit we call it little green forks um, you see the the uh, web address there www.littlegreenforks.com we uh, have a kitchen in pasadena california that prepares uh, these meals that come sealed. We have a set of entrees, salads, soups, and uh, we started um, preparing those for, again, my family, my 
staff here at the company and then others who requested it. Uh, we made the website so that more people could order, but it was limited until recently to just 10 miles or so in the San Gabriel Valley, Los Angeles suburb. Uh, we uh, just in the last few weeks, though, we allied ourselves with a company that provides uh, delivery service throughout all of Los Angeles County and Orange County in California to um, perishable goods. They keep it refrigerated. They deliver between five and seven in the morning to your doorstep. So we've really expanded lately, and, and that's a really exciting time for us. We're starting to see pickup people uh, all around the LA area um, starting to give a try. That's amazing because I, I didn't even hear about it from you, John. It was a friend of mine, a retired physician that told me about it. And I'm like, because I knew when you had it, it was a very limited area, so really couldn't promote it because I didn't really know anybody in that area. But when he told me this, I was like, well, we got to get you on and tell people because they, they say that, you know, the food can be such an obstacle if they're not willing to prepare it, if they're too busy or don't know how. And he says the food is absolutely delicious. What are some of the, the types of uh, entrees and soups and salads you have and, and what's your most popular? Uh, the three most uh, popular are a lasagna, um, tamale pie, which is uh, beans, tomatoes, and onions with a cornbread topping. And then the other one, which it takes some explanation, is called sweet potato bowl. And we actually <laughs> got this recipe directly from uh, Engine 2 Diet, Rip, Rip Esselstyn's book. Did I get that name right? Mm-hmm. Um, in his uh, version of this recipe, it also includes some avocado, which we leave out because we're trying to go really low fat. But uh, the main uh, ingredients are sweet potatoes, red bell peppers, black beans, um, and mango. And it has wow. a sauce with uh, balsamic vinegar and lime with a little cilantro on top. And it's a very unusual dish, unlike anything probably people have tasted before, but all those flavors and colors just really come together and pop. And when people try it, they generally want it again and again. So that, that sweet potato ball that we uh, thank the, the Esselstyn family, uh, Rip That's Esselstyn. So cool. and, and everything is oil free, right? No oils, no nuts. Um, yes, we, uh, we do use a little bit of salt, a little bit of sugar every once in a while, but, um, mostly just uh, whole plants and, and no oil. That's terrific. So I'm just curious, John, because you weren't overweight before your cardiac arrest. How bad though was your diet? Were you a junk food, uh, you know, eating a lot of fast food or just uh, what was your diet before? Well, I uh, had, I guess you'd say mostly standard American diet. Um, I was uh, uh, about five years before my heart attack, I was uh, determined that I was overweight and uh, needed to lose some weight. And so I was looking around for diets and I started eating more salads, um, but I would still eat uh, and, and I drank less sodas because I understood that sugar was bad, but I was still eating pizzas and cheeseburgers and all the standard American stuff. And, uh, you know, just throwing a few salads in on top of that, uh, as I found out the hard way, is not sufficient. Really uh, need to get those bad things out of the diet. Did, um, did, do you still have the same doctors as you did when you had the cardiac arrest? And how did they uh, feel about your transformation and recovery? My general practitioner is still my, my doctor. I see him once a year or so. 
I'm in really great health, so I have no real reason to go in to see him, except that I, I feel that I, I need to spread the word. You know, if, if you can tell a, a patient what they need to do to save themselves, that's awesome. But if you can convince a doctor, then they can in turn uh, affect lots of different patients. So I've been, I've been working on my doctor. I, each uh, year I go in, I bring him a book like uh, the China study or prevent and reverse heart disease. Um, I, one year I left him unprocessed by Chef AJ. <laughs> uh, I haven't been to see him since your new book is out. Uh, by the way, congratulations on that. Thank you, because I know that you wanted a book without any nuts. And so uh, you now have a book without nuts, because I know that the nuts were a problem in the first one. You're my second guest this week that has a copy of my book. Thank you so much. And hey, what about a book from John Tanner that, that I can I can promote? And by the way, guys, if you live locally in the Southern California area, Dr. Tanner is going to be speaking at the OC meetup that takes place every month of fabulous potluck with fabulous speakers, absolutely free. So are you going to write a book about your experience? Uh, I've thought about it from time to time. Uh, it's As you well know, it's it's challenging to write a book. Uh, it's a hard, yeah, hard well, not, not if you use Glenn. We all use Glenn. It makes it a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> It still it took it took me you know six years to write this last one even with Glenn so yeah I agree but you've got a great story to tell and it hasn't all been told yet either because now you have sort of your own healthcare con you know you're, you're like a one man show John you know you've got you got you got a chef who makes the food not just for you for everybody and you actually started something really interesting that I'd like you to tell the viewers about called Tanner Care so what is that Well thank you um, we. Uh searched for some time to, to figure out how to uh, provide more of a program to people. I mean, I enjoy these three-hour workshops and, and uh, shorter talks that I give around LA, but um, some people need more than that. They say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but how do I go about changing my behavior? And you know, with your uh, weight loss programs and stuff, that's a huge deal. Just knowing what you need to do is not the same as being able to do it. So we looked around, we uh, looked in detail at Dean Ornish's program, which under certain circumstances he, he licenses. And we spent a lot of time with um, his material, his people uh, looking at that. Uh, in the end, uh, they decided not to license to us because we weren't a hospital. We, we tried to make the point that we would be better than a hospital because we would be focused only on his program and not all of that other stuff that really mm -hmm. you know, that hospitals do that don't really help patients very much. But in the end, um, that didn't work out. But by then, we'd built up our staff. We have an MD, two nutritionists, a cardiac nurse, a physical therapist. And so we were all ready to go. And we decided to launch our own program Again, uh, at the beginning, uh, loosely modeled after uh, Ornish's published materials. And then also the Center for Disease Control has a diabetes prevention program that there's uh, free materials there. There's other uh, materials out there. Neil Bernard has some. So we sort of gathered everything we knew and put it into this program that's a year long. It's uh, 75 hours by the time the year is done. It, people meet in groups and this is um, uh, unfortunately, a limitation that the program really only works for people who are in the Los Angeles area and are willing to drive to our location here. 
What's the website for the information on the Tanner Care? That's www.tannercare.com. Okay. So we, we advertise a program for heart disease reversal, diabetes uh, prevention or reversal, and weight loss. But those are really all the same program. It's just what people want to get out of them may be a little different. But as, as you well know, if you can get people to eat right, uh, all three of those things come together. So we uh, started our first group in October of 2016. So um, more than six months ago, that first group was done with their year. As you would expect, they had uh, significant weight loss uh, the, in the first two months, and then it continued throughout the whole year. Uh, and um, all the blood work uh, averages went down, cholesterol went down, um, LDL, the bad cholesterol went down, blood sugar went down, and then there were some surprises. One of the ladies uh, said she hadn't really slept well in decades, and three days into our program, she was sleeping like a baby. She had been experiencing pain and through our um, airways uh, being restricted and so on, she just wasn't sleeping well, and all of a sudden, just eating well, she, she started feeling great. We had two people come into our program, one with a walker and one with a cane. And when they left, they weren't using those things. It wasn't something we advertised or expected, but uh, as you know, when you get people healthy, you know, a lot of good things happen. People talk about new levels of energy and, and things like that. So we're now uh, have other groups of people going together. Uh, th this program consists of a lot of uh, lectures on uh, what to eat, how to eat, uh, what kind of uh, challenges and barriers you might uh, encounter and how to overcome them. But there's also a big portion of, of group support. And this is why we do it uh, locally with a group of people that are in the same room week after week, month after month. So they share their struggles. Um, you know, what kind of problems they're having. When they have successes, they share those with each other too. It's very great seeing these people bond together and uh, get healthier together. So um, we're, uh, we're hoping that uh, program can grow. Uh, we're, um, we're probably in the couple of dozen people now that have, have either been through or are currently in our programs, but we're uh, hoping over the years that, that that will continue and will ramp up. Wow. So you've had one graduating class so far. Correct. Wow. So that's cool because maybe they'll continue to meet like forever. I hope so. And, and here, here's one, an interesting one, a more recent group that started about four months ago. The uh, husband and wife came in together. Uh, and that's, that's awesome when you know, your, your loved one supports this uh, behavioral change, this lifestyle modification. But the, uh, the gentleman had all kinds of problems, including retinopathy. And uh, after four weeks, sorry, four months, they came in and they had glossy photo of the guy's retina at the beginning of the program and four months in. And you can see the difference between these two photos is dramatic. In the one case, you can see a whole fuzzy area that, uh, where the retinopathy was. And one of the key blood vessels that ran through that, you could actually see the streak of cholesterol in it. Four months later, that cholesterol is gone and the retinopathy is gone. The 
um, eye doctor that was treating him was astonished uh, because this doesn't happen very often that, that uh, people change their diet and get rid of their eye diseases. So it wasn't something we were expressly advertising in the program, but it was really wonderful to see. That's incredible. I'm just so surprised your doctors have not jumped on board when they've seen the, the miracles with your recovery. It's a challenge for them. You know, it, it kind of goes against what they, they've been taught in medical school. And, and once they get out their career uh, path, even, even for the ones who sort of understand the, the science behind it, they're often trapped in a system where they have to see a patient uh, every 15 minutes or so. And as you know, it's really challenging to get somebody to change their eating behavior in 15 minutes. You know, our, yeah. our, our three hour workshop uh, gets a few people to make the change, but you know, we're, we're built up this 75 hour program to try to do that. Uh, doctors just don't have that kind of time, even if they believe it. So right. it's, it's not, we can't lay this blame all at the feet of the doctors, uh, sort of the whole system that uh, healthcare that, that works against yeah. us. Absolutely. So, you know, when you had your cardiac arrest, your children were already adults, maybe not even living in the home. So were you able to influence their dietary futures and your families? And if so, how long did it take? Um, I have three kids. Uh, at the time of my cardiac arrest, one was in college and two were in high school. And so um, as I went through this process of learning what to eat and actually changing my way of eating, two of them were at home and they were the beneficiaries of, of uh, dad learning how to cook. Uh, my wife, of course, uh, is a, a great cook, um, but I didn't want to be in a position of asking her to make this dramatic change. And if she went 90 or 95% of where I wanted to be, and uh, I, you know, I said, thanks, honey, for the effort, but I'm not going to eat what you just made. You know, that's, that's not a, a formula for marital bliss. So, <laughs> so for a year, I just uh, cooked, uh, you know, learning my way along. And uh, some of my early uh, uh, attempts were, shall we say, not very flavorful. <laughs> but but John, let me ask you this though: Were you cooking before? See, because we can't compare a man that never cooked. Did you know what I'm trying to say? Because were you, were you cooking when you were eating the standard American diet? No, I, my wife would do, did most of the cooking, and uh, and then we ate out. Right. So, because what I'm trying to ascertain is if some of the stuff wasn't good, was it because you weren't used to that way of eating, or because you were just somebody that really didn't know how to cook at that point? Well, let me give you an example, just so you'll understand. I, I, I quickly learned that one of the simplest meals that is compliant with the, the guidelines is you go to Trader Joe's or you go to Whole Foods and you buy uh, some polenta. It comes in a roll in a plastic tube. You slice that into slices, put it in a glass lasagna dish, get some no oil pasta sauce, which there's one at Trader Joe's and there's another one at Whole Foods, either one of those, put that over the polenta, put it in the microwave, hit three minutes, dish done. <laughs> I thought that was a fantastic meal. It was quick and easy. And by my palate, I, I was happy with that. I could eat it two or three times a week, but nice. the, the second or third time I gave that to the kids, they, they rebelled. They needed something oh, a, little bit, a little bit different. So, uh, some things I learned about kids, my, my kids complained 
at the beginning, and some of their complaints were legitimate, like the polenta. But uh, some of it, it was just the, the meals are different than they're used to. But yeah. we stuck with it. And after a couple of weeks, there was no more complaining. Nice. And, the, and of the two kids that were home, uh, one of my uh, kids, my daughter, um, really embraced this way of eating. And in fact, uh, for a year, she ran uh, Little Green Forks, which was a, a wonderful time for me to be working with her. She's since moved on to other things, but she really embraced this. My son um, is to the point where he will eat healthy food with no complaint um, left to his own devices. He's not going to try real hard to, <laughs> uh, to eat this way. But the one of the things we did, um, which I'm not sure everyone would be able to do, but it, it really made a difference in our family. I was talking to my family continuously as I would learn this stuff. And after a while, they tuned me out, right? The <laughs> eyes get glassy. It's like, yeah, dad, yeah, dad. So I thought maybe they would hear uh, somebody else um, and, and absorb it better than just me. And so we were able to do a vacation with John McDougal in Costa Rica. Wow. Week, which was just awesome. You know, you do... Uh, rafting down the river, you do zip lining through the jungle canopy during the day, and then in the evening he uh, talks, he lectures about plant-based uh, nutrition and the science behind it. And I, I really credit that visit with, with him making a huge impact on my family that I wouldn't have been able to myself. Wow. So he's my hero. Same here. He's one. Of, I have three heroes, and he's definitely one of them. That that's terrific. So, I, I, do you, you have a lot of employees? Were you able to influence any of them? I mean, I know as the as the CEO, you can't just say, "Okay, everybody, you're vegan," but you know, you could maybe provide incentives for those that want to eat that way. And so, how many employees actually, uh, now that they've gotten this information, have made the switch? Um, I'd say it's uh, less than half, but it's uh, but still, some people have jumped on it. Uh, more than others. What I've done is uh, we, we cover 75% of the food for the employees. They still have to pay a little because we don't want them just getting it automatically and throwing it out if, if mm -hmm. they're not going to eat it. But um, some of them have really taken advantage of that. Uh, I think everyone ha uh, at least gives some lip service to, you know, this is healthy stuff. But uh, I think for some of them, they eat it just because it's convenient. At the end of the day, they can go to the refrigerator here in our, our kitchen, uh, you know, in Pasadena. We're in Monrovia, uh, you know, 10, 15 minute drive away. Every day, the, the deliveries come to our refrigerator here at the office. And the fact that they can just easily go to the website, place the order, and then uh, go to the, the fridge just before they go home, I think that uh, the convenience factor for some is more important than the health. We Absolutely. Had, That's one that. of the principles of in the pleasure trap, the motivational triad, you know, conservation of any ener energy. If you can make the healthy choice, the easy choice, a lot of people will choose it. We had uh, one lady that worked for us whose husband was uh, a football coach during that part of the season, a high school football coach. And of course, he would get extremely busy during that time. And, and she was working mom. And so there was a lot of time pressure in their household. And she said, this food really helped their uh, their marriage 
because she could just go to the fridge and get the food and take it home and heat it up. And, uh, you know, it was very easy. Have, has, have any other, have you been able to influence any other business businesses to, to, to follow your lead as far as uh, feeding their employees healthy food? Because I would imagine if your employees are healthy, they're not sick as often and they're actually more productive. We're continuing to work on that. I've given talks at a few uh, companies, but um, I think it really takes a strong commitment from the top to, to drive that because there will be some pushback. And uh, um, you know, to have the, the fortitude to continue to push for healthy food is um, a lot of company leadership will back away as soon as there's any pushback. Um, we are uh, working with a couple of uh, large organizations to get them into the Tanner Care program. Uh, one of the local cities is very much interested in it from the, the standpoint of their, their own city staff. And um, another local, uh, very large aerospace contractor is very interested in this as well. So we'll, uh, we'll see how much of a foothold we can get and how much of a difference we can make, but we're, we're definitely gonna give it a try. That sounds so cool. It's almost like you've got your own little chip program right in your own backyard. We, uh, we try. This yeah. is chip from uh, Hans Deal's uh, Origins. Right. Yeah. It's just, but the thing is that you have the community support and for so many people, since this is such a different way of eating and living, I think having the community support is, you know, you're, you're, you're a very highly conscientious, highly intelligent person. And when you had your cardiac arrest, you looked at the data and you made the decision to, to, to eat the way you eat. But a lot of people, first of all, don't have that information, but also they, they, they don't, maybe didn't have the precipitating event that you did. And so having them in a group of people, I think is really, really, that's why I run the ultimate weight loss program, because, you know, it's, it's just so much more inspiring to help lot, you know, lots of people at a time, because then they can see how other people are succeeding and be inspired by that instead of thinking they're the only one. Right. Yeah. Well, one of our very early customers for Little Green Forks was uh, somebody who came to one of my nutrition science workshops. And uh, it, when he learned about the food, he said, here's my credit card. Here's a couple of things I don't like, but otherwise just place orders for me and keep the food coming. And he's been <laughs> for like four years now and he credits his life with this food. And, and it made us realize that there's a an opportunity there for people who don't want to spend the time uh, reading research papers. You know, they don't want to spend a lot of time learning what the guidelines are for what to eat and what not to eat. Uh, and they don't want to cook or, or change the way they cook. They just want the orders to come. They want the food to show up on their doorstep. And if, if that's what people want, we can, we can help. That's terrific. Any chance that Little Green Forks will go outside of California any day, like where you'll actually start shipping frozen meals or expand your delivery uh, area? That's a great question. We would love to do that. Um, right now, we're trying to we trying to absorb this new big change, which is uh, expanding from San Gabriel Valley to L.A. and Orange County. Um, our uh, delivery partner there, uh, if they were to expand, uh, that would be natural for us to, to expand along with them. Um, uh, but right now we're just uh, trying, to, trying to get so that we can prepare this larger number of meals in a very reliable way and get the, the fresh food to people. 
Um, some of the food that we make uh, would survive the freezing process. In fact, some of our customers, uh, in order to save on the delivery costs, they'll, they'll order a week's worth of stuff and freeze some of it, thaw it later. But some of the food isn't as good when it's been frozen and thawed. So we're, right now we're focusing on the fresh side of things. Got it. Uh, Janie wants to know if you share your recipes. <laughs> um, there's a set of recipes on newsci.org. Uh, if you go to that uh, webpage, www.newsci.org. And then uh, at the top, you click on recipes. There's a number of recipes, including I, I mentioned um, the favorites, uh, tamale pie uh, is um, listed there. Now, Little Green Forks is intention to uh, make a profit someday. It hasn't yet, but uh, <laughs> um, so, and some of those recipes that are, are, have been developed and will continue to be developed uh, are considered proprietary. But a lot of the basic ones that we started with, uh, we put on the new Sci website before Little Green Forks even got started. So there's a, a good selection there. Of course, uh, if people want recipes, they should, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's by this 117, one. yeah. Nice, nice. So do you just eat every day from Little Green Forks, or are you still uh, putting your hand in at the chef thing in your kitchen and making your own meals? I eat almost exclusively Little Green Forks myself. Every once wow, in a while, that's we'll, so cool. uh, we'll, we'll seek out a, a vegan restaurant. But as you know, you have to be careful even there. There's a lot of oils involved. Uh, right. The fake meats tend to have a lot of oil in them, but um, uh, yeah, most most everything I eat is from little green forks. So, g give us an example of what a day's worth of food and exercise looks for the busy John Tanner. Well, uh, so I get up in the morning and I run my uh, five kilometers, my three point one miles. I actually don't eat breakfast. I used to be a big breakfast eater and. You know, my mom, who you know went to college in the 1950s, where people t uh, were telling her, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I kind of believed that until uh, I went to a conference not too long ago, where uh, it turns out that that was an invention by a bacon salesman who yeah. wanted to sell more bacon, and so he he convinced everybody that you know they really had to eat a breakfast. So uh, I find that I'm just not hungry in the morning. And so I'll, uh, I'll run and come into work and uh, noon, one, two, you know, whenever uh, I feel hungry, I don't uh, force myself to eat on a schedule if I'm, if I'm not hungry. I'll just go to the fridge here in the office and uh, get one of my salads or soups. My uh, current favorite salad is a spinach bulgur salad that has um, grilled red peppers and a yeah. very spicy sauce. Um, the, uh, uh, we have a pod thai dish, which I dearly love. Uh, we have a curry chickpeas dish and the lasagna. Even after all these years, I still love the lasagna. And the, the soups, uh, we have a split pea soup. Uh, one of my favorites is a sweet potato black bean soup with onions. Uh, mm. Delicious. So my day consists of four or five 
things from Little Green Forks, you know, one or two salads, uh, one or two entrees and a soup. That's, that's usually what gets me through the day. That's terrific. How did you come up with the name Little Green Forks? And always, the hardest thing for me is always titles, whether it's my book or whatever I do. How did you come up with this? It's a great name. How did you uh, think of it? I do love the name. I didn't uh, come up with it. My chef at the time who was convincing me to, to start this uh, business, I believe that she and her sister went off and brainstormed and, and came up with that idea. It's, uh, I think everybody sort of latches on to it because it's like uh, little green men from Mars, right? Little green. Yes, very, cute. So. very, very cute. Well, people are just loving your interview, John. It, you're, you're awesome. I can't wait to see you speak on Sunday. Is there anything else you want to talk about either in your journey or to inspire people to uh, not go down the same path you went down, literally fall down, died, came back to life? I, I really don't recommend a cardiac arrest. <laughs> uh, I, I really encourage people to do what they need to do to avoid that. Um, I, and, and once, you know, if I can encourage people to help others at the right time to make this transition, and, and maybe, uh, you know, the, um, the psychologists uh, like uh, Doug Lyle, uh, he's a very much not in your face kind of guy. You know, he says, hang back and just tell people what you're doing to save your life and to be healthy and let them pick it up at their own pace. But, um, you know, if you have an opportunity to intervene with a friend, a family member that is, is suffering from some disease that you know can be made to go away, then please reach out to them. And uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from um anyone at all who would uh, like to communicate with me on our, on the website, newside.org, there's a, a, a contact us form there that people can communicate. Love to hear from you and uh, hear about your successes. When is your next, you, you have those great meetings you have at the office that include dinner, when is the next one? The next one is the 28th, a week from tomorrow. So June 28th. If uh, yeah, if anybody's within driving distance of uh, Monrovia, California, please uh, sign up and come. I'd love to meet you in person and share more details of my story. That would be terrific. Are you still in touch with Dr. Esselstyn at all? I am. Um, uh, we see him at conferences, and uh, I, I generally send him uh, emails when I get a tough question from from uh, an audience that I can't answer, I, I shoot it off to, to him or Dr. McDougall or Colin Campbell. They're, uh, yeah, they're, they're the greatest. Yeah, awesome. I, was, I was so honored Dr. Essie endorsed, my, you know, he couldn't promote my first book because I used nuts, but he not only endorsed this one, but actually wrote the foreword. So I'm just so thrilled and honored to, uh, to, to know him. He is just, just a gem. So, well, thank you so much, John. It's been great getting to know you a little bit more and hearing all about all the many irons you have in the fire. And uh, it's just been such a great inspirational story. And I hope everyone will, will take heed and, and, and do the right thing now with their diets so that uh, they won't have a cardiac arrest. Because like you said, in so many people, the first sign of, of heart disease is death. 
Great book, by the way. <laughs> and I look forward to, uh, to, 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 the, to your book, to your cookbook, Little Green Forks, or whatever you decide to write, because you have an important story. So just, you know, Glenn moved, but you can call him up and he'll, he'll help you. He'll help you finish the book. He, I, know, I know you're busy, but he, he works remotely. So that would be great. So thanks, everybody, so much for watching another episode of Healthy Living Live. Please go to the newsci.org website and, and check out all their terrific resources. If you live in Southern California, either come Sunday to hear Dr. Tanner speak for free in person at the OC Meetup or attend one of his free monthly dinners in Monrovia, the next one being June 28th. Thanks so much for your time, John. I really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you so much, everyone, for watching another episode of Healthy Living Live. I'm Chef AJ. I make healthy, taste delicious, but now so does Little Green Forks, and they make it incredibly convenient. Take care, everyone. Thank you.